Hey, everybody. This is the last show I'll be posting on YouTube. I'm going to rumble from now on due to the overstepping by the left on free speech. As this show will lay out, they've decided to take one violent protest by the right and absurd the Constitution and destroy freedom of speech for all others that don't agree with them. It's no longer about extremism or white supremacy. It's just plain old wrong think. So I'm talking behind a picture so you can see my accounts. Twitter will remain active for posting new shows only until another source like Gab, which I enrolled to in, <clears throat> becomes more viable but as we'll learn in this show, Parler is gone because every corporation linked to the Democrats decided to do that. So it's going to be imperative going forward for all of us to keep up with each other's links because sooner or later we won't have digital, which is the left's plan. Suppress all speech. You don't have an opposition. So as you can see, the email is Outlook, Flower Politic with a K, and we'll be posting videos on Rumble. The SoundCloud account will continue to operate. I don't see them becoming liberal on that. They've been a free speech advocate, and I don't think their servers are held on Amazon for right now. So the following video will be on YouTube and on Rumble. But then after that, it's straight Rumble at rumble.com backslash C backslash C dash 482467. That is the non-searchable channel where all future videos will go. You just need the link to go to it. And hopefully our Democrat big brothers won't take that away too. Enjoy the show. Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Are not equal. Morally, in the eyes of the law, yes, but in the eyes of good and evil, here's the argument. They are strictly principled anti-fascists. And what they see in the Trump administration and what they see happening in this country, they see, they see the neo-fascism that we see. And they've taken a principled stand to stand against white supremacists and white nationalists wherever they may show up. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's, you know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. I think that a lot of people recognize that when pushed, self-defense <clears throat> is a legitimate response to white supremacist and neo-Nazi violence. The problem is to equate the violence in reaction against bigotry with the bigotry itself is to misunderstand the fact that when you go to cancer treatment, the radiation is tough treatment, but it is meant to remove the cancer. There's a group of anti-fascists called the Black Bloc, which do tend to get violent. Their idea is, look, nonviolence hasn't worked and we are going to try to stop this. But they wouldn't have been there. They wouldn't have been anywhere near there had it not been for the fact that white supremacists, neo-Nazis were out scaring the living daylouts 
out of most of the people in that town. Thuggishness is thuggishness wherever it comes from politically, and, and we should be the first to call it out. I, just- I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it, is not, uh, it is not, generally speaking, unruly. That ain't a riot, what we're seeing right now in Minneapolis. They are strictly principled anti-fascists, and they've taken a principled stand to stand against white supremacists and white nationalists wherever they may show up. I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal morally. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's... You know, no organization is perfect. There is some violence. Any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property. But these are not reasonable times. Thank goodness for the looters, man. And please show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. I don't care that much about statues. Respectfully, shouldn't that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night throwing it into the harbor? People will do what they do. You're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Do not get it twisted and think that, oh, this is some something that has not never happened before. And then this is so terrible. And where are we and these savages and all of that? This is how this country was started. People get mad and people get sick of it. People are risking covid to explain to this country that we're fed up. Most of the major movements in American history have started at the grassroots level and at some point have turned into direct conflict with American government. So remember your history before you judge your president. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. and Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, we kick. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? Biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. I said, even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. You would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take you behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. Look as his character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. A Missouri state senator is under investigation by the Secret Service after saying she hopes President Trump is assassinated. I will go and take Trump out tonight. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and our honoring our Constitution are are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing. 
Good intro, huh? Welcome back to the show. It is the 12th of January, year of our Lord, 2021. And that intro was on purpose. It's a primer. It's basically talking about our media and lefties calling for violence. It's just excused by everybody now. Actual violence out in San Diego from Antifa this very week. And my crazy hat. Crazy hat. There's two ways to look at the crazy hat. There's a crazy hat that, well, people wear crazy hats and they can be anybody. Or there could be the guy who wore a Viking hat and doesn't eat kale. He's a Trump supporter now. Because we still don't want to look at the fact that there were Trump supporters, but there was Antifa and a lot of bad people that are now allowing a nation, its businesses, Democrats, and the media to go on a purge spree of the fucking First Amendment. So now I have my hat back. A normal hat. And it was depressing. You know, as usual, is my way. I talked to all sorts of people. But I found a lot of interesting things, especially with the Never Trump crowd. Um, It's almost depressing. It, It doesn't matter how you argue or say, as we're calling it, what aboutisms. We never called BLM and Antifa seditionists. We never made new laws or called for new laws to basically ban them from everything. And we damn sure didn't deplatform people, defund people, and do all the crazy things we're doing right now. I'm going to play a Tucker soundbite that pretty much covers the weekend, so we can just get it all there and hit a couple stories and talk about it. But the hate of Trump has invariably made people just, well, he's so bad, and it'll all work out, and it won't. That incident was the wet dream for the left. The way they could justify every extreme thing that most people didn't vote for and how they could go about reshaping America to be what they want. A one-party, lefty, no-opinion, fascist nation. I've said it for years. The people that talk about fascism are the real fascism. But even more shocking than talking to people that hate Trump or found the whole thing to be un-American and blah, 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 which it was. It's amazing how the media has brainwashed people. I mean, most people don't even know that the left occupied during Kavanaugh and took over the Senate. A lot of people don't know people have been getting beaten in the street for wearing red hats. Just for wearing a fucking hat. They know about Covington, but they didn't research and find out that black Israelites are the reason why that kid got in trouble to begin with and it was an all set up and actually how he acted was better than you and I would have acted. They don't know those things because the media never put it out. The media educated people on oh, it's just a few bad apples, probably white supremacists. Laura Logan researched as a journalist, not a Trump fan. 
and found it was all setups. They just infiltrated crowds and did their violence. But our president of the United States in a couple days, it, it's just an idea. It doesn't exist. They don't see that all of this is just a ruse for power to put an intersectionality plan to everything, including a stimulus that white businesses won't get money, but black businesses and BIPOC will. They don't see the threat of Google, YouTube, iTunes, Amazon, Twitter, taking out Parler, because Parler's just got a bunch of fucking Trump people on her, and they're inciting insurrection. They don't know that BLM's whole platform is insurrection. Anifa is no borders, no government. They don't know that because the media never put it out. And they didn't research it themselves because Trump. They don't recall the times Obama stood on a stage and asked for protests. The very same way Trump did. Albeit not on the Capitol. It's wrong. Shouldn't have done it. But Obama did it for eight years. For eight years he told people to protest. He fucking dogged police and praised BLM at a funeral of officers who were killed by a guy from BLM. They don't question that a Bernie bro shot up a baseball field and we blame Trump. They don't question why did that guy shoot up the Las Vegas shooting? They don't recall back to Inauguration Day 2000 riots. 2016 riots. Women's March three days later saying they want to blow up the White House. They don't want to know about Portland and the violence there. That has my mother, who's 75, sleeping with a knife because they go to the suburbs and trash houses that have American flags and call them racist. So bad that people actually put out BLM flags and BLM signs because they're scared. They don't want to see that all of this was marching towards this for 20 years. For 20 years, we've had violent rhetoric from the left deeming everybody who's their opposition racist Nazis and that we wouldn't have ramifications for They never thought about it. They just know Trump bad. He's got to go. Those people are losers. And they don't understand that every action that the media, corporations, and the left, never Trumpers, Republicans are doing, are just going to lead to more violence in the street. Because people are tired of being called Nazi. People are tired of watching lefties do whatever they want and there's no recourse. They may have arrested 10,000 people. They didn't get charged with anything because while that was going on, Soros was taking over DA, every DA in the country and they all released prisoners that were violent who went out and did violent things again because of COVID. For Christ's sake, these same people were the people that were called Nazis because they protested lockdowns. And we're told BLM protests, block parties, you can go with COVID to fucking vote. Those are worse than COVID. But your cause is un-American. You're a terrorist. The very same people who clutched pearls don't want to reconcile with challenging the 2000, challenging the 2004, and the fake Russia shit 
in 2016, a Hillary Clinton-floated conspiracy that was proven false by Mueller after $30 million and two and a half years of undercutting a presidency. They don't want to reconcile with Kavanaugh. They don't want to reconcile with the impeachment for what Obama said on an open mic. They don't see that people are tired of this. So yeah, those 200 people who stormed the Capitol should go to jail. But what about the people that firebombed, occupied police stations, federal courthouses, beat people in the street for wearing a fucking hat? What about those people? It doesn't even get reported. You can't let one side call everybody Nazis, suppress everybody's free speech, and think, we're not going to end up here. You can't let lefties go out and burn, loot, murder, beat, and call it social justice, and have every media outlet support it, and float conspiracy, it's right-wing agitators, when it's proven it's Antifa, not an idea, Mr. President, an actual organization that wants to overthrow your government. And think people aren't going to do the same. We have set up our two worlds, the real world and the digital world. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. The only people people the only people listen to in this country are people breaking shit, boycotting shit, ruining people's lives. And it's been all left where lefties can destroy all righties, but righties can't destroy lefties. And then we have this weekend. Welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Within hours of the riot at the U.S. Capitol last week, in case you weren't watching, we denounced the violence we saw in the clearest possible terms. We did it for one reason. We are totally opposed to political violence. We said that virtually every night for the past six months since the riots that began on Memorial Day. We meant it then, we mean it now. Every person who broke the law last Wednesday should be prosecuted. Vandalize a building, hurt a cop, go to jail. That's our position. That has always been our position. This show is for law and order, period. Many of those currently in power are not. They believe instead in selective enforcement. Selective enforcement is not law and order. It is the opposite. Laws must be applied equally to every citizen or else they are not laws. They are the whims of a tyrant. Punish the guilty, spare the innocent. That is the most basic definition of justice, but that is not what's happening now. The crackdown on civil liberties we've watched over the past five days amounts instead to collective punishment. People who had nothing to do with the violence in the U.S. Capitol are being punished for that violence. And that is repugnant and immoral and anti-American. It should shock our sensibilities. It shocks Alexei Navalny. Navalny is the Russian dissident who was poisoned last year, apparently by the Putin government. He's watched the recent crackdown in this country by Joe Biden and his allies in big business and big tech with growing concern and then horror. Here's his conclusion, quote, we have seen many examples in Russia and in China of such private companies becoming the state's best friends and enablers when it comes to censorship. 
This precedent will be exploited by the enemies of freedom of speech around the world, end quote. So even in Russia, they know what's happening here is dangerous and it's wrong because it is. In the past five days, PayPal, which keep in mind is supposed to be a payment processor, not a political party or a law enforcement agency, PayPal suspended the account of a group that paid for Trump supporters to travel to Washington last week. Now, it's not clear that any of these people participated in illegal acts. We do not know. But they were shut down anyway for their political views. It's not an isolated case. It's happening all over. It happened to performer Ariel Pink. Pink made the mistake of listening to the president's address on Wednesday. Pink says he didn't get anywhere near the Capitol. He went to his hotel and fell asleep. And no one has suggested otherwise. But for the crime of attending a political rally, Pink was punished. He was promptly dropped from his record label. He's done. Now it's possible he might not be able to fly on airplanes. A flight attendance union has demanded banning all, quote, insurrectionists from flying commercially anywhere in the United States. So the question is, and everything hangs on this definition, what's an insurrectionist? Well, according to a letter from Democrats in Congress, it is anyone who sympathizes with what happened on Wednesday. Think about that. Now, you can oppose what happened at the Capitol. And for the 15th time, we do oppose it loudly, have and will. And you can still see this development for what it is. It's terrifying lunacy. But no one is pushing back against it. Instead, the biggest corporations in this country, the ones that control your checking account, the ones that control your health care, whether you live or die, have decided to radically expand the definition of what is now illegal. Insurrection, according to this new definition, means questioning any part of last November's election. So you thought that your birthright as an American was the right to ask questions, but not anymore. That's now a crime. Consider this among many examples. A total of 139 Republicans in the House of Representatives objected to the certification of Joe Biden's victory. They were joined by several Republicans in the Senate. They called instead for an audit of the election results. Now, here's what they didn't do. They did not urge anyone to commit violence. They did not support the people who stormed the Capitol building. For our part, we did not promote their cause on this show. We had mixed feelings about it. On the other hand, we didn't denounce them as insurrectionists because they weren't and they aren't, except now they are. And that definition has huge consequences, not just for them, but for the country. You'll notice the definition of insurrection has changed quite a bit in just four years. Here's what insurrection looked like right after the 2016 election. Mr. President, I object to the certificate from the state of Georgia on the grounds that the electoral votes were no not... Debate. There's no debate. Sections 15 and 17 of Title III of the United States Code require that any objection be presented in writing, signed by both a member of the House of Representatives and a senator. Mr. President, even as people waited hours in no Georgia... And... There is no debate. And if there's not signed by a senator, the objection cannot be entertained. Now, you may not remember that because not much happened in its aftermath. No major corporation threatened to destroy anyone for that insurrection. They've changed. In the past few days, Blue Cross Blue Shield, J.P. Morgan Chase, Marriott, Citigroup, Commerce Bank, not small companies, have all cut off donations to Republicans who objected in any way to this year's election results. Companies like Dow, AT&T, Morgan Stanley announced today they will do the same. Here's how Citibank's head of global affairs explained this move, quote, we want you to be assured that we will not support candidates who do not respect the rule of law. Now, if that sounds like a brand new standard, of course it is. And by the way, it does not apply to any Democrat, and that's all of them, 
who support flagrantly illegal sanctuary cities all over the country. Talk about an attack of rule on the rule of law, but that doesn't count. Forbes magazine, meanwhile, wants to make certain that no one who worked in the Trump administration will ever have a job again. Quote, let it be known to the business world, announced the magazine's editor. Hire any of Trump's fellow fabulists and Forbes will assume that everything your company or firm talks about is a lie. In other words, dare to hire someone from the presidential administration, as many thousands of people, and we will destroy your business. That's healthy and normal? You want your country to fall apart completely? Keep up fascist insanity like that because it definitely will. The irony, of course, is that the Biden era, which you probably didn't welcome, was at the very least supposed to be a return to normal. That was the upside. But it turns out this is the new normal. Silencing, blacklists, social credit scores, threats. It's almost boring at this point to point out the steaming hypocrisy in all of this. And we'll stop after tonight. But just for the record, we can't resist. Six months after Donald Trump's election, Nancy Pelosi wrote this on Twitter, quote, our election was hijacked. There is no question. Congress has a duty to hashtag protect our democracy and hashtag follow the facts. Insurrection? No. A month later, a Bernie Sanders voter tried to murder congressional Republicans, office holders, with a rifle at a baseball practice in Arlington, Virginia. He almost succeeded. He shot Steve Scalise, almost killed him. Yet none of these same corporations, these morally aware corporations, suspended donations to Bernie Sanders or to Nancy Pelosi. And by the way, they shouldn't have, because Pelosi and Sanders didn't pull the trigger. But they didn't even consider it, nor did they issue statements about respecting the rule of law or threaten Nancy Pelosi's fabulous with never working again in America. These same companies indeed remained quiet all last summer after BLM set fire to the ancient Episcopal Church in front of the White House and then drove the president of the United States into an underground bunker with violence. They said nothing. They said nothing when rioters destroyed a police precinct in Minneapolis, or in fact, the whole downtown of that city, or when they besieged a federal courthouse in Portland, Oregon, or established their own country, a breakaway Republican downtown Seattle, and shot a guy in the middle of it. That's not entirely true. They did comment on it in some ways. They approved of it. Citibank, three months later, gave the rioters money. Citi created a $1 billion fund for racial equity. Go ahead and define that term. Some enterprising progressives established something called the Minnesota Freedom Fund. That raised tens of millions of dollars to bail out the violent rioters, the insurrectionists. Big tech and Democratic Party politicians, including Kamala Harris, supported that fund. Oh, the insurrectionists, they supported them. We were against that kind of crap then. We're completely against it now. But from their perspective, violence and insurrection are not necessarily bad. It's a situational thing, kind of situational ethics. You remember that from the 60s. So when our side does it, it's a good thing because the arc of justice is long. But when the other side does it, we unleash the FBI to conduct one of the biggest manhunts in recent history. So we're all Roger Stone now, everyone on the wrong side of that equation. But actually it's worse than that, if we're gonna be honest. And we don't wanna be alarmist, but the hair on your arms is already standing up because you can feel that this is bad, because it is. Something bigger is happening here, something we've never seen in the full course of American history. Corporations, which are now more powerful than they have ever been, ever, are colluding with one another and with the political class to silence any opposition, not to some ideal, they don't have those, but to their rule. Huh. This is not what we were promised. The election is over. You thought things would calm down. Again, even if you voted against Joe Biden, you thought they would calm down. No chance. That's one campaign promise they didn't intend to keep. Why? Because calm doesn't serve their purposes. 
most people, most normal people in this country would like a placid political environment, but they don't benefit from that because their coalition has nothing in common with one another. They need an enemy to unite them, period. And so they're gonna keep torquing up the pressure. How much pressure can our society take before it breaks? They may find out. Here's the president-elect, Mr. Unity, comparing his opponents in the Senate to Nazis. They're part of the big lie, the big lie. I was being reminded by a friend of mine, maybe you were with me, I can't recall, when we were told that, you know, Goebbels in the great lie, you keep repeating the lie, repeating the lie. Not even pronouncing the name correctly, of course. But the broader point is, how dare you talk like that? You're the president-elect, and you're comparing people who disagree with you or have questions about the campaign or oppose your agenda to Nazis? What's your message? They're not human. They're Nazis. You play with fire when you talk like that. People are going to get hurt if we keep this up. Nancy Pelosi plans to keep it up. Nancy Pelosi is not calling for unity. She doesn't want unity. Instead, she's le leveling the most divisive attack you can make, and that's a racial attack. The real problem with Trump voters, she explained the other day, is the color of their skin. Listen. There are people in our country led by this president for the moment who have chosen their whiteness over democracy. That tape should live forever. When Donald Trump said, yeah, people should go to the Capitol, we thought that was reckless and we said so because we want to be Americans and responsible before anything else. So we were honest about that. Nancy Pelosi just attacked people who oppose her agenda for the color of their skin, their whiteness. What the hell does that mean? What does talk like that do to our country? What it does is send a very clear message. Anyone who disagrees with Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi is a Nazi or a white supremacist or just, or just white, which is the same thing. They're not Americans. They don't have human rights. They have no right to speak or to fly or to use banks or to hold jobs. Where's this going, thinking like that? It's poison. We'll tell you where it's going. It's going wherever corporate America wants it to go because they're in charge, effectively. Corporations are fully aligned. This has never happened in our country. They are fully aligned with a political party. How much distance between the Biden campaign and Google, the most powerful company in the world? Right around none. So publicly held multinationals like Facebook and Twitter and Google can do whatever they want. And what they want to do is become partisan actors. They've silenced Donald Trump. Okay, they will silence you if you dare dissent. Make no mistake. Republicans should have seen this coming. It's not like it was a mystery. Democrats never hid their intent. Here's Kamala Harris saying it out loud from a debate stage. Senator Warren, I just want to say that I was surprised to hear that you did not agree with me that on this subject of what should be the rules around corporate responsibility for these big tech companies, when I called on Twitter to suspend Donald Trump's uh, account, that you did not agree, and I would, I would urge you to join me. So, look, I don't just want to push Donald Trump off Twitter. I want to push him out of the White House. That's our job. So join but me, the way, join but me the, in saying that his Twitter account should be your, shut down. Yeah. Anyone who says the other side must be forced to stop talking is a threat to our freedoms, period. If you don't like what someone says, explain why and win people over voluntarily. That's what the democratic system is at its core. Anyone who says, I will use the power of the state, 
of Google to make the other side shut up, again, is a threat to your freedom. By the way, this is also illegal, baldly illegal. The coordination between these companies violates the most basic tenet of antitrust law. When monopolies conspire to suppress competition and hurt consumers, it's not even a close call. They are breaking the law, period. And it doesn't matter if no one in Washington is brave enough to say that out loud. It doesn't make it less true. And that's exactly what they're doing. And the evidence mounts. This weekend, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Apple openly coordinated, set their sights on the social media app Parler and booted it off the Internet. And not just them. According to the CEO of Parler, John Matzi, quote, every vendor from text message services to email providers to our lawyers ditched us on the same day. Whoa, imagine that. You wake up and you're suddenly unpopular with the wrong person and you can't communicate and you have no legal representation and you can't fly in an airplane and you can't put your money in a bank. On what grounds did they do this to Parler? What did Parler do wrong? Well, we still don't know. No one has bothered to explain that. Not one person in law enforcement or the media has shown any connection between any of the criminals caught on camera at the Capitol building, you've seen them, and Parler. Parler committed no crimes. So why are they gone? Well, conservatives speak to each other on Parler, and that's dangerous. So they were banned. Yesterday, the left shut Parler down. They did it a lot of different ways, but here's the way that you should think about most deeply. Amazon, biggest retailer in the world, also controls the largest collection of servers in the world. It's called Amazon Web Services. Now, a huge percentage of the Internet flows through Amazon servers, and that means everything, both good and bad. Digital Mozart recordings and hardcore pornography, Bible verses and invoices for illegal shipments of fentanyl. All of that and much more, in fact, almost everything is hosted on Amazon servers. So until yesterday, no one imagined that Jeff Bezos could decide who gets to speak on the Internet. That's too much power for one man. No, can we agree? We thought the left would agree with that, but they don't. No one thought that Jeff Bezos could silence an entire political movement in an instant simply because he thought they were expressing inconvenient views. But last night, that's exactly what Jeff Bezos did, and Parler went dark. Whoa. What's next? You will likely find out soon. John Matzi is the CEO of Parler. We're happy to have him on the show tonight. John, thanks so much for coming on. I have to start at the end and ask you if it, since you built this application as a kind of safe space for freedom of speech, did you ever imagine that Amazon Web Services could or would shut you down in an instant? Thank you for having me on. Um, I've theorized about it. You know, we've definitely theorized about it. Uh, you, you just never think it'll happen, though, right? You, you know, and uh, what's really interesting is uh, that they all did it on the same day, those three, without any prior warning. We woke up on Friday thinking business, well, not never business as usual parlor, but at least as close to usual as possible. We were number one on the App Store. We, we you know, we had seven million, almost seven million unique people on the app that day. Um, and we get a notice, you know, you're in violation of our terms, one after another. But we found out first, in some cases, not from the companies, but from BuzzFeed. You know, we didn't get a notice from Google. We read it online in the news first. And uh, that is shocking. And then after they set that example, you know, we get an email after email. You know, it's almost like you, you were just waiting. Who's going to be next? Dumping us. 
everybody. The last thing we have right now is email, and I bet you within 24 hours, our email will be shut off too. I just got to ask you, because I can't, because I think this is a referendum on American society and where we are and where we're going. The left used to stand up for civil liberties. The famously moderate Joe Manchin approves of this. Apart from Glenn Greenwald and Michael Tracy, God bless them both, I haven't seen any liberal stand up to say, wow, this is really scary. Have you? Um, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people say that this is scary, but I've also seen a lot of people who are participating in the five minutes of hate and kind of egging it on and cheering. And it's disgusting. People threatening my life. I can't go home tonight. So there's th this is really a lot. You know, this is not just, you know, our civil liberties. They can shut down a billion dollar company, half a billion to a yeah. billion dollar company. That's what we were getting valuations at overnight. Are you going to be back up soon? Uh, we will be back up eventually because we're not going to give up. Uh, but it, it soon is difficult. You know, I thought immediately, oh, no problem. We'll call up a new vendor. Right. We call up the vendor. We're all good to go. And then right at the last second, sorry, somebody said something we can't host you by. And it's been that one after another ever since then. Right at the last minute, they just they just bail. So we're going to do it. We're going to be back online one day and hopefully soon and soon as possible. But um, this is a real challenge. We have to build our own infrastructure, our own everything in order to yep. do it. Pirate radio, digital pirate radio, dark web. I hope so. I hope we're out of time, but I hope, John, you'll come back. You will come back with a list of every corporate coward who bowed to pressure to silence you and 7 million other people on Parler. You Those can bet I will. And no, almost 20 Amen. million people now. Almost 20 million. And yes, I will. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, don't, I, I won't forget this day. Great to see you, John. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Judge Jean Pirro is the host of Justice with Judge Jeanine on the Fox News Channel. She joins us with reaction tonight. Judge, thanks so much for coming on. So all of this is being done under the pretext that somehow everybody who voted for Trump or who is right of center or who has questions about the election or doesn't like Joe Biden or thinks Google's too powerful, they're all implicated in the insurrection last week on Capitol Hill. And I couldn't resist noticing that you're got to be one of the most prominent Trump supporters in the country, and you like immediately attacked that garbage, which you did. So what is this really about? Well, now before we get into the, or I want to keep this big and just keep playing it every time I talk about this, because this was okay. All the pearl clutchers said this was okay. We had no problem with it. They were not trying to overthrow the government, even though they occupied federal buildings, police departments, killed people. That's social justice. Before I even get into the articles, our media rejoiced in this censorship. And in light of yesterday's insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, the Black Lives Matter Global Network released a statement pointing out the clear double standard in our country's law enforcement response to protests of racial injustice versus yesterday's pro-Trump mob riot, saying, quote, make no mistake, if the protesters were black, we would have been tear gassed, battered, and perhaps shot. I want to bring in now Black Lives Matter co-founder and executive director of the Black Lives Matter Global Network, Patrice Colors. Patrice, good to have you with us as always. My phone right here is yours like mine. It's full of text messages and conversations I had yesterday from all of my friends, essentially saying, what if that was us? Essentially, that That's was right. the question being asked. So you tell me, what is the answer? If all of those thousands we saw, you change that skin color, and saw 
us climbing the walls, breaking the windows of the Capitol? How would this have gone down? It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have happened, first of all. Um, we would have had cops in riot gear. Uh, they would have had a full-on response to Black Lives Matter protests like we witnessed over uh, the summer of last year, which was mostly peaceful protesters being tear-gassed, rubber-bulleted, and brutalized just for calling for the ending of the killing of Black people by law enforcement. And so we would have not seen what we saw yesterday if it were Black people. Um, I say it would have been a massacre if it was Black people trying to charge the Capitol. And so, you know, we're disturbed. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement is disturbed. We are, uh, we have been yelling uh, from the mountaintops for um, years now that this president is a dangerous president. And now I feel like the entire world, including middle of America, agrees with us. This is a private company. Uh, it's a publicly traded company, but it is a it is a company that uh, has a platform that he's been using to spread lies and, and fear and uh, and hatred over the last four years. You know, he's tweeted everything from calling the press the enemy of the people to uh, hashtag fire Fauci about Dr. Fauci during this coronavirus pandemic. So he's used this Twitter account uh, to great harm. But Wolf, uh, you don't have a First Amendment right to shout fire in a crowded theater. And that is essentially what the president has been doing over these last four years. And Donald Trump is somebody who has time and again, not just broken the rules of social media, but just sort of broken the rules of decent society, spreading hate and fear and lies and so on. And I think a lot of people are going to be plotting this tonight on both sides of the uh, political spectrum. Wolf. Apple is threatening to remove Parler from its app store because of content moderation concerns. So, um, look, it's the fourth year. All of this probably should have happened sooner, but these technology companies are trying to show some responsibility in the very last days of the Trump administration. It really is incredible. So the president, he has been kneecapped by Twitter. He can no longer use this account to do all of the uh, various and sundry things that he does on a regular basis. Uh, he is, uh, for all intents and purposes, banned at the moment from this very powerful social media platform. This is a moment in Silicon Valley history, as well as a moment in political history. And this has significance all around the world, Wolf. So many world leaders use Twitter to communicate. But this is a historic moment where Twitter has stepped in and said, no, that world leader, the United States president, is too dangerous to use our platform. It is an astonishing thing that technology companies like Twitter and Facebook feel they have to protect the public from the American president. They have to take away his keys because they don't trust him to get behind the wheel. But censorship is not the right word here, Wolf. This has nothing to do with the First Amendment. The First Amendment's about your relationship to the government not your relationship with a private technology company. And these platforms have been under tremendous pressure from liberals, from Trump critics, from a lot of employees at Twitter. You know, we, we have seen this remarkable action by technology companies because they fear what Trump will do with his platforms. As you know, Brian, a lot of people think uh, these, these platforms should have done this a long time ago. The reality has been Twitter and Facebook has, have been very afraid to go crosswise with this president. They have been afraid to take action against an account. But in any other case, he would be suspended years ago. That's just the reality. Can, can I just say, we're watching these images of people, you know, of some of them leaving the Capitol grounds, wandering back, high-fiving each other, smiling, quite pleased with themselves for what they have done today. And it's truly just outrageous and pathetic. Each of these people should be shamed 
for what they have done today. We should look at their faces. And if I was standing on that street, look at them. They're high-fiving each other for this deplorable display of, of, of completely unpatriotic, completely against law and order, completely unconstitutional behavior. It's stunning. And they're going to go back, you know, to the Olive Garden and to their the Holiday Inn that they're staying at and the Garden Marriott. And they're going to have some drinks and they're going to talk about the great day that they had in Washington. And they really did something and stand up for something. And they stood up for nothing other than mayhem. And, and a man who is, you know, in the despicable waning days of a failed president. Ask because we're running out of time, and I really want to get to this because, uh, according to reporting, the Washington Post ran a story about Secret Service agents being asked uh, to step down. Essentially, that they're re- reassigning Secret Service agents to, to uh, President-elect Joe Biden because they were concerns about QAnon believers and, and you know strong-hearted MAGA supporters infiltrating the Secret Service. The Secret Service is not just guard the president. They don't just guard the vice president. They guard a lot of leadership within our country. How concerned should we be that these violent insurrectionists have infiltrated certain parts of our law enforcement, particularly Secret Service, and quite frankly, law enforcement across the country? You know, until recently, I believe that these organizations like the Secret Service, U.S. Marshals, uh, federal, other federal law enforcement agencies were what I call a jealous organization. They are jealous of their role and their loyalty to that job. But let me point out one of the top, ins- you know, insurrectionist, uh, you know, uh, people who stokes radio every day is Dan Bonino, the owner of Parler. He was an ex-Secret Service officer under Barack Obama, the head of the of, um, you know, they had taken one of the senior Secret Service officers out of the Secret Service and made him a political appointee for Donald Trump. And now they put him back into the Secret Service. What I'm right. afraid of as a counterterrorism specialist is that they're going to get an Indira Gandhi situation where one of her bodyguards killed her. Right. Rajiv Gandhi, one of the guests, one of the bodyguards, allowed a woman with a suicide bomb next to him and blew him up. I all bets are off now. Right. A full scrub of the United States government has to be done to ensure that all members of government, no matter their party, are kept safe. Nance, I got to tell you, I've sat next to you at a party before. The national security stories you tell on a global scale uh, are, are quite compelling. So thank you so much for bringing some uh, context to this conversation. And you'll definitely be back on the cross connection. So thank you for making the time this Saturday morning. That's that contempt. That's why we have people marching and protesting and rioting on the right. I mean, fucking Olive Garden. Now is a righty thing? When the fuck did that happen? But it's a usual thing. Amazon employees demand at be deplatformed. And as we don't know, because we don't fucking know these things, our media doesn't put it out. We now find out that pretty much every website you ever go to is owned by Amazon. And they can deplatform whoever the fuck they want. And people out there, well, it's capitalism. No, it's not. The gay baker gets a win, but gets crushed more than any other time. He gets crushed, and he's got to bake the fucking cake. And simultaneously, the opposite is like, go fuck yourself. You, you can't not bake something, and then they don't bake for fucking conservatives, and it's lauded by the media. Literally... Jack Dorsey marks, mocks it. Because now in our government, with the Democrat run, 
certain com- companies are good companies. They can take out the competition. And unlike Standard Oil, we don't look at it as a monopoly because they're good guys. Christina Wong. Parler is now the top free app. Jack. Signal Private Messenger is the top free app. Top charts. Jack. You're a pathetic weasel. Please unfollow me before you ban me. Oh, and I'll come for you to toast one day. Read history instead of microdosing all the time. Dave Rubin. Holy shit, this is an evil tweet. Signals only hit number one because Apple Concert with other big tech companies nuked their competition. And a lot of people use the signal. I started using it. I simultaneously shut off my phone tracking and all that stuff. Because now, to be quite honest, you can call it a conspiracy theory, but if Google, Apple, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Amazon can ruin your life, why do I want them tracking me? I threw my Google Home in the trash, boys and girls. It's gone. I had one. I don't want them listening to me now. If they can take out other companies, they can deplatform everybody, including the president, whether you agree or not agree with him. Freedom of speech is either for everybody or it's for nobody. Leftists compare Trump's Twitter ban to Saddam Hussein's capture. This is the crazy shit I'm talking about. Uh, Sacha Baron. This is the most important moment in history. Social media, the world's largest platform, have banned the world's biggest purveyor of lies, conspiracy, and hate. To every Facebook and Twitter employee, user, and advocate who fought for this, the entire world thanks you. John Cusack. This move by Twitter and Facebook are the biggest blows to his fascism. Jeffrey Wright, boom, and showed it suspended. George Taki, I'm feeling jacked today. Avengers Mark Ruffalo, thank you, Twitter. Bette Midler, thank you, Twitter. Church's bells rising through the land. Christy Teigen, Josh Gad, I'm, I'm not reading him. Representative Max Rose, rollicked by comparing the Twitter banning of Trump to the capture of a dictator, Saddam Hussein is reported to have responsible for the killing of 250,000 people. Hillary Clinton. Delete your account, Donald Trump. Checkmark. Barbara Lee. Robin Kelly. Mozzie Hirono. The Lord of the Rings. Gollum has lost his precious. Those aren't seditionists. But the hundred and some odd Republicans that we're going to challenge in the House and the few senators, they are. They should be banned from the House. The people elected them, but they need to go away because we, the Democrats, say they need to go away. I mean, the only person that's pushed back on this is the person that made us all learn who that evil guy aborting people really was, and then she got thrown away and became a conservative. Molly Hemingway. One is that uh, many pundits now are claiming vindication, saying we've been telling you for four years that President Trump was dangerous. Like your thoughts on that, and we'll talk about this in another segment, but uh, brief comments on Twitter taking the step of permanently banning Donald Trump. Right. Well, the 
what I was thinking of earlier, too, is that people aren't putting enough blame on other people as well. And the media, because this is a media show, I think we need to talk about what they did to contribute to this situation as well. The media have generally praised takeovers of state capitals, whether that was in Wisconsin in 2011, Texas in 2013, which they widely praised. Also, the attacks of the Kavanaugh confirmation process, in which the media and Democrats actually encouraged the disruption of the proceedings there, the attack on the Supreme Court, not to mention this entire summer of rage that we saw, the media not just uh, coddling, but enabling and supporting, and other people, such as Democrats, you know, working to bail out rioters who took over cities. Do, you know, dozens of people were killed. There was billions of dollars in damage. There were attacks on federal courthouses, federal buildings, state and local buildings, churches, businesses. The these are things that the media generally encouraged. It took months to get anybody on the left to condemn them. And the media kept saying that, you know, you have to listen to what these people have to say, basically saying if you want to be heard, you have violence is an appropriate way to go about doing that. That also contributes contributes to it. The response to this is terrifying. What's happening with Twitter, big tech oligarchs working to suppress any political opposition, working on the day that Democrats get complete control of Washington, D.C. with the Senate. Um, this is something that is a massive story. The media seem to generally be cheerleading this as well. It's almost a collusion between big media, big tech and the Democratic Party to completely wipe out the, right. the, a political movement that has 75 million Americans. OBS is killing me. It's the third time it's crashed today, and I've had to reset everything up, and I've had echoes, and I've had, a, oh, God, it's not been fun. She nails it 100%. Once again, you either have free speech or you don't have free speech. You either have it for all or you have it for none. But anybody who thinks that it's okay for all these people to take down Parler on the lame excuse of what possibly could be violence in the future, these are the same people, and I report on the podcast, and the never-Trumpers, and the conservatives don't like them, and yada yada, don't want to listen, but they were calling Ben Shapiro a gateway drug to white supremacy. When you have the SPLC and you have the race hustling industry saying every conservative thought is Nazi racism, xenophobic, homophobic, whatever, it's very easy to get brainwashed and believe that shit. And they do. They believe it's all true. They're all a bunch of fucking malcontent lowlifes that eat at the Olive Garden. By the way, elitists, the Olive Garden is shit. I eat at real Italian joints. I'm married to Italian, so I don't eat out a lot because I cook the best spaghetti you'll ever have, but whatever. The best part was how it was working. To clear up the confusion about fl- fluctuation in follower counts, in order to prevent spam, we regularly challenge accounts to confirm details like email and phone numbers until the info is confirmed these accounts aren't included in follower accounts. Ben Collins. Twitter has suspended more than 70,000 accounts this Friday that were engaged in sharing harmful QAnon-associated content at scale and were primarily dedicated to its propagation. This explains prominent Republicans losing followers en masse. Steve Dennis repeats it. Mike Graham, but keep counts for actual dictators is absolutely fine. A lot of people bring it up. You have the Omars, or, or the Mullahs. They're okay. Omar's okay. And remember, Obama's White House said people that believe that Don, George Bush rigged and blew up the World Trade Center. 
truthers were just fine. Almost everybody you see on TV is linked to a person that said the 9-11 was an inside job. Those conspiracy theories were fine. Trump using nukes, fine. Trump's going to murder babies, fine. Trump putting baby in cages, something Obama did, fine. All those conspiracies, they're fine. And once again, I'm not a QAnon. I think they're a bunch of kooks. But when we only apply it one way, this is what you get. I mean, I, I, in mass this November, said the same thing over and over. People question the election because Democrats have been doing it since fucking 2000. And everybody was fine with it. And no problems. No plural clutching. Oh, the constant democracy. None of that shit mattered. They've questioned everything. Guys like me mocked the Russia. If you really believed $136,000 in bots changed the election, you don't know Americans and you need to get out of your fancy house, your fancy clothes, and go talk to normal people. Because everybody walked in that booth and already knew long before fucking October, June, July, they were either voting against HRC and eight more years of Obama style, you're a racist, or they were voting against the man who grabbed a pussy. Simple as that. Our elections aren't that difficult to figure out. They're just not. It's human nature. George Bush got elected and re-elected because he was a guy you'd have a beer with. Carrie and Gore were cardboard people. Very simple. Obama became president because everybody felt good about voting for a black man. Regardless of what his policies were, he was black. As my mother said, my sainted mother, they deserve a president too. Taxpayer 1234, so when will Antifa be suspended? They won't, because they can post, burn shit, kill, everything. Then we have this thing. Now do Jack Probasek, Dan Savino, Molly Hemingway, Rogan O'Hanley, and Tucker Carlson, Alexander Nazara... Jason Rance, this is the national correspondent for Yahoo News, asking for the media members to be censored. Responses, dark days indeed. Yet Acosta and Jake Tapper remain silent because it fits their narrative. It doesn't stop with Trump. You can say, yay, Trump's bad. He incites violence. Just like Obama and everybody else. Obama just did it with Yale English, but it was the same thing. But they don't stop there. It's just like COVID. Give them a little fucking control. What happens? We're hip deep in bullshit. State Senator. Now, seeing the Twin Towers crumble is no longer the most frightening moment of my life. There's been a lot of that with 9-11. What happened to the Capitol was so bad? I don't know. What happened to Washington, D.C., Minneapolis, fucking every state? Had people burn shit down highways. Mothers and kids surrounded. We played it on the show. You were fine with it. You were fine with this bag of fucking goddamn silicone freaking Botox saying whatever she wanted. Gab is an alternative that I've signed on to. It's overloaded. I actually have an account, but I haven't really played with it. Looks a little like Twitter. 
Poorly archived, disgusting anti-Tump tweets allowed by Twitter. Free speech platform Gab said it archive a horde of disgusting tweets replying to President Donald Trump's account before it was banned. For months, we have been backing up every reply to Donald Trump tweets. We all we call this project a liberal hate machine. The account went on to explain the project conducts sentinel analysis to detect threats of violence, slurs, and more. The official Gab account added that the archive has a treasure trove of controversial commentary to be sifted through, exposing Twitter's clear hypocrisy on enforcement. We have over 100 million tweets collected of the very hateful people on this website making the most disgusting and highly illegal replies to the president. Gab, a controversial free speech alternative to Twitter, has shown that innovation is one way to stay afloat on the conservative platform. Parler had been essentially nuked by the combined deplatforming from Amazon, servers, Apples, Google, yada yada. Gab leadership suggests the platform create an entire tech ecosystem to be immune. You can't get banned from Amazon when you build your own servers like we did. It's not just build your own social network. It's build your own hosting service, payment processor, app store, web browser, email service, e-commerce platform. So that's exactly what we did. Twitter began its censorship, blah, blah, blah. It goes on to the people over there. Uh, Bubble Boy, Chris Hayes. I will admit that I thought people on the right would at least pretend to care about more about a fact a mega mob killed a cop. I was really surprised that the left actually talked about cops getting killed. Because last I checked, you said they all should be fried by bacon, and ACAB is okay. Then you got Brian Seltzer. The president, MIA, the vice president's almost invisible. Members of the cabinet are mostly silent. I think it's fair to ask, who's in charge right now? Dr. Scott Michaels, our overlords that head up social media are in charge, Tater. Twitter's in charge. What do you want them to do, Tater? Get in a truck and ride down the street communicating with we the people from a megaphone? You leftist bosses have cut them off from comms. That's what they're going to do. Where's Trump at? These people, this is a cottage industry, Trump hate. And these very people and conservative never Trumpers are going to spend the next four years saying, but Trump, or that's Trump's fault. TikTok libs. Gab unveils his project called Liberal Hate Machine. And we covered it, but this is the second one. Twitter lost $4 billion today. Not in the media. As you saw, Forbes is now lefty. Was every tech stock tumbled. And that's not Trump support. That's Americans going, what the actual fuck um, the back of the liberal hate. There's a lot. It's searchable tuned. Stay tuned. We have over 100 million tweets. Here's a look at the hate on Twitter today. Very hateful place. Let me see if I can get this to open. Sorry. The pause button doesn't work on OBS, so I try it, but it, it just doesn't want to work ever. Well, I'll let that open and we'll go to the next one. Um, Gab gives Twitter CEO taste of his own trolling medicine. Josh Kaplan, CNBC. Twitter shares closed down more than 6% in the first trading day after Trump ban. Twitter stock is down 7 after it banned President Trump and purged conservative. John Simmons. Twitter drop, dropped 6% today. Are you paying attention, Jack? No, he doesn't care. 
CNN, literally, commentator, wants you to imagine Al Sharpton inciting people to riot and how Fox News would respond and literally people show him the riots that he inspired. Because once again, when Google doesn't give you any tweets, oh, they banned Gab, it's gone. <laughs> the Twitter account for Gab's gone. Yeah, that makes sense. Replies to Gab. None of these tweets are anywhere close to illegal, and not even the freaks who flock to parlor want anything to do with your Nazi shithole. All the Nazis are very mad at being called Nazis, so mad that they're replying with Nazi things. Boring and predictable. See my point? Everything is a Nazi. Everything is racist if it's not their idea or their Kool-Aid or their website. For years, they wanted righties to leave Twitter. Then they leave Twitter and they shut it down. Because once again, it's not about possible insurrection or any of that bullshit. It's literally totally about control. Christopher Rufo notes media shifted to find conservatives as white supremacists to seditionist. USA is a failed state. Y'all, the issue is whiteness. You can try to cut it all these different ways, but the common denominator, denominator, excuse me, through line, consistent factor, and persistent conflict is whiteness. Until folks are ready to confront about what whiteness is, its constructive function, we are stuck here. Christopher F. Rufo. Five years ago, the media launched a campaign to define conservatives as racist and white supremacists. Five days ago, they changed the term to seditionist and domestic terrorist. The first is to dehumanize the opposition. The second is to justify their oppression. 100% right. I mean, just normal things. Wow. I'm on a plane full of patriots flying from D.C. to Phoenix, and we start chanting USA, and the captain came on and said he told... He'd drop us off in Kansas if he had to, if we didn't obey every single rule. Because now it's okay. Conservatives are horrible. Then you have articles like this. Yes, I'm angry. Yes. I am outraged. Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. But I know that this won't change anything. So, if we go back in the time machine, Kazuhart, I remember this. Where was the outrage from the left? Oh, there was none. Mike LaChance. Of course, CNN came riding to Madonna's rescue to explain what she really meant. Madonna blowing up the White House taken out of context. Los Angeles Times. Madonna clarifies blowing up the White House. Comment taken wildly out of context. Vanity Fair. Madonna said her blowing up the White House remark was part of a larger message. Madonna confesses to fantasizing about blowing up the White House in 2017. Media consider the nuance and context. Trump tells people not to riot in 2021. He's inciting an insurrection. Cameron Cawthorn. 
who's now a uh, congressman, saw a tweet this morning about how Madonna said in 2017 that she thought about blowing up the White House. And remember, this is how her remarks were covered by CNN. She was trying to express herself at the Women's March on Saturday, but the superstar singer stirred controversy with some of her more passionate remarks. That's because in addition to dropping a few F-bombs, she also indicated just how upset the election results made her. She was upset. Or how about Kathy Griffin? Just resign now. You lost. It's over. And the picture of her holding a severed head. Beth Bauman. How the hell is Kathy still allowed to have an account? Does this not incite violence against Trump or his supporters? Bill McGuinn. There are legitimate questions about the double standard with Twitter and what they do or don't consider incitement and or harmful content. Regardless of your politics, hard to imagine that this post is allowed to stay up. And the post, if I can get it to open, they now took it down. Because of this, they took it down. It's her with the severed head. That was fine. People defended her. It's been noticed a 2017 election-related tweet from Nancy Pelosi is still up with no claim of dispute tag. House Democrats are ready to lay out their impeachment resolution. Plus, Pelosi opened the door to expulsion of GOP members who backed President Trump's fake charges of election fraud. And we weren't far from catastrophe last week. This is regular order. Jamie Dupree. Nancy Pelosi, May 16, 2017. Still online. Our election was hijacked. There's no question Congress has a duty. Protect our democracy and follow the facts. And everybody asks, where's the box? This is disputed. How about the rule change, 25 of them, and how you can even post? You couldn't even quote tweet people. Then, this week, Facebook took down Ron Paul, and people say, what the fuck, now libertarians? His reply on Twitter, with no explanation other than it's repeatedly going against our community standard, Facebook has blocked me from managing my page. Never have we received notice of violating community standards in the past, and nowhere is offending post defined. The fact of the matter is, my mom has been suspended. My wife was suspended. And at no time did they do hate speech. They just disagreed with the lefty. The conspiracy of shadow banning. I was shadow banned. I watched the window take over my Twitter. Somebody put a line up. You're doing this, this, and this. Then they looked at my account and realized my podcast was some bush leak in the basement wearing a camouflage jacket, freezing his ass off, and they stopped. TechWatch report Facebook still enabling Antifar, far-left media. It's all up there. All of it. Elon Musk. A lot of people are going to be super unhappy with West Coast High Tech as a de facto arbiter of free speech. That's not a lefty. Or a righty. He's a lib. And there are a few out there who still have intellectual honesty that as far as you can see, as far as you could throw a fucking stick, there's piles of hateful rhetoric from the left. So I want to play one last soundbite. This is Cuomo and... Chucklehead literally coming up with what freedom of speech is 
followed by a CNN historian saying, Trump is toast. And I put that in the light that Pelosi issued ultimatum and wants to impeach him as the last thing for whatever reason we'll talk about in a second. That is not censorship. That has nothing to do, nothing at all to do with the First Amendment. The First Amendment has to do with the Congress. It doesn't allow you, as the Supreme Court justice said, the First Amendment is not designed to allow you to scream fire in a crowded theater. Yeah. And that's that's what this is. Well, that's, well, I don't know if it's the equivalent of that. And I hope telling them to come down, you you can actually go after them. Don't let them certify. You know that you can actually scream crowd uh, fire in a crowded theater. That's a misnomer. But uh, we don't want to get into that. If you do and then people get hurt. You're going to jail. Well, maybe. No, maybe. that's the law. That you, it doesn't allow you to I, do not, whatever you it's want. It's not really the law. You have a right to say Second whatever about, you want. That was overturned, too. That whole... Any, I don't want to get into that because it's I'm too far I'm not talking about hate speech or what's protected. I what know, I'm saying is this. You I can't looked it up all day. Riot. That's not the crowd. The fire in the crowded theater is not a thing. It's a misnomer. Trust me. No, Check it, out. it was dicta from a Supreme Court case that about the extent of what it protects okay, as yes. speech versus action. Yeah. Okay. Social media that we live in now is creating hate platforms in the U.S. And we're going to have to find a way to get that under control. And we see the start of it with President Trump being pulled from Twitter and uh, Google and Apple not carrying right wing extreme um, apps. You know, we've heard from so many people, critics and supporters of the president saying that, you know, he's destroyed his legacy with the events of Wednesday and his role um, in it. What does that mean? How much does this matter in the scope of the American presidency and the legacy of American president? Oh, uh, Donald Trump is toast in American history. He's betrayed the country, sedition, uh, words like treason will be around him, a divider, not a uniter, xenophobia, racism, bigotry. You know, the worst president in U.S. history is usually James Buchanan, who who was a good person. He just did a lot of inaction to try to stop the country from the Civil War. We've had presidents like Warren Harding and Richard Nixon with corruption. But what uh, President Trump has done and is doing as I'm talking to you, the fact that the American flag is not at half mass for um, five dead from the Capitol riot. Uh, It's just another indication of the lack of respect. Now, Tony's theory. This is just about ruining him completely and making anybody that worked with him, supported him, voted him toxic. That's why conservatives are writing articles. Why I see this is necessary. Necessary. When once again, Obama called for protest. They went bad. You didn't hold them accountable. It's the hypocrisy of all of this. Obama called for protest. Cops got killed in Dallas. He went to the fucking funeral and once again called for protest. And everybody was fine with it. But it's because it's not about Trump. It is about total power and control of everything. If you thought they were just stopping with Trump, Lincoln Project, whoa, Forbes chief's content warns against hiring 
Kelly McCaney. Hire any fellow Trump fabulous above Forbes will assume that you're lying. Stuart Stevens from the Lincoln Project. The Lincoln Project were constructing a database of Trump officials and staff that will tailor the roles of the Trump administration and track where they are now. No personal info, only professional, but they will be held accountable. Brett Hume, this will not end well. Brian York, why limit to officials and staff? Surely there were other enablers that should be tracked professionally, of course. Also, as Hey Tammy Bruce suggested, what about some sort of public identifier? Perhaps clothing? I heard it'd be easy and easier if you made them wear a patch or get a tattoo. <laughs> Golf Magazine. Insurrectionist Trump deserves no safe harbor on the link. Blue check pro-abortion. Leela Rose. Abortion is violence. Leah Torres. This is violent rhetoric. It is objectively false and meant to incite others to commit crimes against clinics, patients, and healthcare providers. This is what domestic terrorism looks for. You see a pattern here? Everything we disagree with is terrorism. Sarah Jong. I wonder when Twitter is going to ban Andy NGO. Andy NGO, Sarah Jong, New York Times, stands by racist tweets and reporter. He's the only person reporting on Antifa. CNN fact checker. Biden invokes Nazi propaganda minister Goebbels and says Holly and Cruz are as much a part party to the big lie as Trump itself. It's the big lie, he says. The big lie. Ted Cruz, really sad. At a time of deep national division, President-elect Biden's choice to call his political opponents literal Nazis does nothing to bring us together or promote healing. This kind of vicious partisan rhetoric only tears our country apart. The fact checker from CNN. Biden didn't call his opponents literal Nazis. He invoked the concept of the big lie, spoke about how Nazi propaganda chief Goebbels used it, and said Trump and his acolytes like Cruz and Hockley have now done a big lie of their own regarding the election. Every time. Every time they step out of line, it's excused. It's educated. Just like BLM and Antifa. No, that's not what they meant. It's just a few agitators. You can't judge the whole movement about the people looting, burning, beating, killing. Yet you got Maxine Waters literally saying, go kick their ass. And everybody cheering when Sanders was kicked out of the red hand. That was good shit. Did you not think we were going to get here? Didn't you think that we're, with all the censorship, all the changing of election rules, changing of fucking everything, that we weren't going to get here? Businesses that went woke after Capitol riots downplayed Floyd riots. Or Floyd riots, yeah. Sponsored BLM. PBS Journal. Truth is rarely pure, never easy to come by, and incredibly difficult to sort out. Dan Rather discusses. You see, there's no ramifications. New York Times, because they're in a fervor now, everybody's got to go. Distrust of media deadly to democracy. Should Fox be apologized and be on the air? Cheryl Atkinson, for a moment of zen. I'm just wondering if they have 
removed the accounts of anyone who promoted the disproven Trump-Russia conspiracy theory. Please let me know. Responding to NBC, Twitter removes the account of Michael Flynn, Cindy Powell, and other high-profile supporters of President Trump that promoted the QAnon conspiracy theory. Dr. Alex Halsey, nope, none were removed, but plenty of liberals gave other liberal awards for writing these fake stories. We gave out Pulitzers for now disproven articles. To continue that it doesn't stop with Trump. Andy NGO, stop selling Andy NGO book. Hell no, we won't NGO. A crowd of Anifov gathered outside Powell's bookstore in downtown Portland to demand they pull my book from their website. The store has already announced it won't stock the books on the shelves. Let's listen. Book burnings next. Good stuff. Powell Books. At Powell, a lot of our inventory is hand-picked and hand-promoted, and a lot of our inventory is not hand-picked. Unmasked by Andy NGO came to us through an automatic data feed via one of our long-term partners, Hatchet Book. This book will not be placed on our shelves. We will not promote it. That said, it will remain in our online catalog. We carry a lot of books we find abhorrent, as well as those we treasure. We believe it is the work of booksellers to do so. Please see our full commitment speech here. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Brittany, don't buy from this company. They just announced they're caving to the Anifa mob and won't place Andy NGO book on their shelves. Excellent. I'll push it, purchase it from Amazon. But it says this is on your website, and because the only people we're beholden to is our customers and ourselves. A better approach to create a list where people who can't handle opposing ideas have you protect them from seeing certain books. But Joe Biden, the theme, America United. And then he comes out with this. Our focus will be on small businesses on Main Street that aren't wealthy and well-connected, that are facing real economic hardships through no fault of their own. Our priority will be black, Latino, Asian, and Native American-owned small businesses, women-owned businesses, and finally having equal access to resources needed to reopen and rebuild. But we're going to make a concerted effort to help small businesses in low-income communities in big cities, small towns, rural communities that have faced systemic barriers to relief. Think of the mom and pop owner with a couple of employees who can't pick up the phone and call the banker who doesn't have a lawyer, an accountant to help them through this complicated process to know if they're even qualified. So white people all have lawyers? Or who simply didn't know where where this relief is available in the first place. I don't know a whole lot of small businesses that got a fucking dime from the last one. We went through this down when we were trying to bring, when we brought the Detroit back off its knees. And as we saw in this morning's job report, restaurants, bars, and hospitality industry have been slammed by this virus. We're going to direct relief to those businesses and others that have been so badly hit hit the hardest. We owe them that support to help them get through the other side of this crisis. 
The most amazing thing about this, this is, comes from Biden-Harris transition team, and they are subtitling it because this man can't speak without slurring. Kyle Becker, if you don't vote for me, you ain't receiving any of these chests, checks. The rest of us will learn to code. The only real help you can provide is to back the F up and get out of their way. But of course, why, don't, why do that when you can divide the country further? So no equal protection under the law? Just get out of the way and don't let BLM or Antifa burn down our houses and our businesses. And lastly, so government-sponsored discrimination as usual. That's not unity. That's just not unity. That is the slow march for 20 years to where we're at right now. Breaking people up, saying they're better people than other people, suppression of ideas. I mean, one of the recurring themes I got with lefties, never Trumpers, it really doesn't matter, was that if you question this election, you're a conspiracy theorist. And how could you think only five locations would cheat? That's our election. Whole parts of this country are always going to vote a certain way. It doesn't really matter what you do. The Democrats are going to win or the Republicans are going to win, and you're going to steal it in a certain area. But we just spent four years saying that Russia took it with $136,000 of the bots, and Trump's a Russian stooge, and the FBI was part of it. And you question people looking at an election where 80 million supposed, more than 80 million supposed people voted for a guy who talks like that. With policies he didn't even talk about. With less bellwether counties than ever, less counties than ever, after a guy you all hate, one Florida and Ohio, usually an indicator, with more black vote, more POC in general, even Latino. They're conspiracy theorists. And it comes back to the two standards. Our country got here because we have allowed a party to promote and execute violence and we've excused it away. Sometime in 2018, Crenshaw came on, and he said, if you're not listening to them and believing what they're saying, you're wrong. It was very poignant to the time for me. And I played it on the show, and since then, I always go back to it. In 2016, we'll play another part of this before our ending credits they said they were going to do it they said they were going to alter everything on Google and YouTube so that the Democrats wouldn't win and they would silence the opposition now they were just waiting for the right incident to then capitalize on it and silence the opposition. And people cheered when it was Trump because he's a bad guy. But me, I said that's not where they're going to stop. 
They're going to keep going. And every thought from anti-abortion to gun ownership is now sedition. It's terrorism. Domestic terrorism. These are the same people that have said we deserved 9-11. These are the same wahoos that excused away domestic terrorism on our shore by real terrorists. Same people. They were talking more about Islamophobia than the fact that people flew planes into fucking buildings and killed 3,000 Americans. These are the same people that had a death tote board after building up that Saddam Hussein had WMDs under the Clinton administration so that all of us believed him when George Bush said it. I wasn't a Republican. I was a Democrat. I believed he had them. So did every Democrat who voted for it. And then promptly used it as ammunition to try to unseat Bush because Bush lied and people died. These are the same people. We've been marching here since 2000. And now everybody's aghast that people on the right, and some of them lefties in that crowd, decided to fuck up the Capitol. And that's just unacceptable. Well, it is. It's violent. Shouldn't happen. But you have no leg to stand on if you didn't condemn every Democrat, every media member, BLM and Antifa, and nobody did. All these companies that are now de-Republican, de-conservative, anti-non-prog is de-platformed, going after any site that wants to be for conservatives, they all financed the riots and financed Biden's election. If Trump won an election like Biden did, as I've said a million times, every city in America would be raised right now. There'd be so much death and burning, it wouldn't just be the capital. And everybody knows it. That's why they're trying this weak-ass, oh, what about-ism? You what about-ism the entire four years, saying, well, Trump said this forgetting everything Obama said. We wouldn't have the Capitol. People would never even thought to do it if you didn't watch the last four years of break shit, get what you want. We have a President of the United States who supports BLM an organization that wants to basically overthrow the American system and doesn't want nuclear families and think the only good cop's a dead cop. And he believes Antifa's a fucking idea. And I think the troublesome thing over all this, in the zeal to hate Trump, people didn't even research what this cat was about. That he was for one party rule. That they do want to silence all opposition. And they will term it as sedition, domestic terrorism, you name it. To get people off digital platforms and silence them in the public square. 
when you label every fucking concept and every organization, white supremacist, Nazi, or now anti-American seditious groups, flat out just say it over and over and over, you get to win. You get to set the agenda on what's okay free speech and what's not free speech. And that's what just happened. You handed the keys to an administration that sole purpose is to silence opposition and opposing views. And if you didn't research getting rid of the filibuster, two new states, making all legals legal, and you just voted because Trump's bad, you handed the keys. And once again, if you said, good, Trump should be off Twitter, you haven't been paying attention. Trump was round one. Now they are silencing everybody and every platform. And it's because normals have just let it happen for 20 years and they haven't made their voice heard. In numbers and repetition, to the level that you can't excuse it away as about a bunch of white supremacist domestic terrorists. Remember, these same people clutching pearls said everybody who went to lockdown protest were grandma-killing domestic terrorists, and then a month later were saying people who were actually terrorists burning down cities were just a few people in a crowd who have now flipped it to the 200 out of the 150,000 represent everybody. If you're conservative, if you voted for him, you raided the Capitol. And it won't stop. They've now got corporations because we've allowed them to bully in presence and digitally for 20 fucking years. We never stopped them. Normals didn't go other than to Chick-fil-A and when they boycotted somebody, go fucking buy shit. And I'll close on this. You're either for free speech for everyone, speech you don't like, speech that makes you angry, or you're not. Free speech isn't about my ideas or who we like or who's bad or who's good. Free speech is for everyone. So if you're going to say in his speech at the Capitol, he incited that riot, but ignore Obama calling, Nancy Pelosi calling, everybody in the media calling, members of the squad calling, and say they didn't say it, or like we just had with the president. Well, he didn't really call them Nazis. You're full of shit. You're full of shit. You're not for free speech. You're an ideologue. It never stops with just the leader. And these people have made no bones about it. It's not about Trump. This is the first time in our history... People that were part of a cult 
because it's no different than the Obama cult. The Trump cult's the same fucking thing. They're the evil people. We've never done that. In our media and our public discourse, we never labeled voters evil. And we just did it. For four years. And now they're going after those people. And they'll keep going after everybody. They'll never stop. Because it's not about the republic. It's not about violence. It's about control. And I got a good friend. He's my idol. And he keeps saying, trust the republic. Trust the republic. I've watched the republic for 20 years. The squeaky wheel always gets its way. And the squeaky wheel are violent leftists. From the world trade protest to Occupy Wall Street. Put a name on it. It's the same violence. And everybody bows to them. And every time normals go out from the Tea Party to lockdown to Trump stop the steal, they're racist white supremacist Nazis. For fuck's sake. The pro-life movement are Nazi white supremacists. That's how we've let it happen. And it's going to take us doing like them in the respect of not violence, but supporting things they cancel, pushing back on that rhetoric, turning the channel, and not letting these people dictate what free speech is. So, this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Vidcast. Share it with your family and friends. Send comments to Flyover Politic with a K at Outlook. You can get this show on Rumble and YouTube. This is the last YouTube, then we're going straight Rumble. You can get the audio version on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Twitter account of Fop Tony Reed. I'll post the gab once it's functional. And our next vidcast will be 17 January, Year of Our Lord, 2020. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. Spend some time with your people. And be safe out there. If, once again, my phone doesn't have tracking, doesn't have gay, hey, Google. I threw out the Google Home. Right now, they're going to go after everybody. You think they ain't going after you? And that opposing views are okay, you're smoking fucking crack. So be careful. Watch your sex before you lose your digital life. And tune in for our next. As stated, I'm going to put a little Google in. The Google meeting from 2016. Okay, folks. I know this is probably not the most joyous uh, TJF we have had. Uh, um and, uh, you know, let's face it, most uh, people here are uh, pretty upset and pretty sad for, uh, because of the election. Um, but there's another group, a uh, small group, that we should also think about who are very excited about the legalization of pot. Uh, Um, I was asking if we could serve joints outside on the patio. Apparently these things take a little while to take effect, as 
a huge, huge disappointment. Um, I've been bemoaning that all week, I'll be honest with you. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, on a more uh, serious note, you know, myself, um, uh, as an immigrant and a refugee, um, I, I certainly find the selection uh, deeply offensive, and I know many of you do too. Um, and, and I think it's a very stressful time, uh, and it uh, conflicts with many of our values. Um, I think it's, uh, it's a good time to reflect on that, and uh, you know, we're going to uh, hopefully uh, share some thoughts uh, today. Um, I guess you know, there are two dominant um, you know, reasons to be upset. One is because you know, so many people uh, apparently don't share uh, many of the values that we have. Um, I mean, I guess we've known that for many months now. I mean, it's not like, you know, in election terms, whether it was like 47.2% or 48.2% or whatever it was. Um, and it's always been uh, a lot of people that uh, apparently feel that way. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly confronting it firsthand um, is, uh, is pretty upsetting. Uh, and secondly, confronting the reality of an administration that's, uh, that's now forming and Look, we have no idea what it's going to do, is the honest truth. Like, we have no idea what direction this country will take, um, whether whatever the past policy proposals were serious or not or whatnot. And it's a period of great uncertainty. And, um, you know, it's uncertain for many of us here, um, you know, especially immigrants or minorities, uh, women, um, uh, I mean, so many people, and, and just generally, you know, people who, you know, have kids and wonder about their world. Um, so uh, I don't have great answers for you up here today, but I think it's important that uh, we, we chat about it and um, are thoughtful about it in the coming months. And with that, Sundar. Thanks, Sergey. It's good to, good to see all of you here. I'm glad uh, we're getting together uh, at a moment like this. Uh, you know, it's been an extraordinarily stressful time, I'm sure, for uh, ma many of you. Uh, you know, it, it, the, the outcome, uh, you know, in a, in a two-party system uh, with, with a lot of polarization in the country, it's a deeply divided country, and you have a binary outcome, uh, right? There is no easy way through this. And you know, historically, all political processes are stressful and tough, particularly if the outcome is not what you hope for. On top of that, I think all of us would agree this election was particularly hard. Uh, there was a lot of rhetoric, uh, you know, and, uh, and there were a lot of groups targeted. Uh, and so I think all of that makes it a very hard cycle, uh, especially with our values. But I hope, uh, you know, a couple things I would say is... You know, it's important to remember, uh, you know, we are in a democratic system. And, you know, it's heartening to see actually a transition happen properly. And, you know, I grew up in India, and there were a lot of things wrong. But it was a democratic country. And we've gone through many, many, many hairy moments like this, right? And it's a country of, uh, you know, poor, it was a poor country of 
uh, one plus billion people going through a democratic process with many more divided opinions than what you're seeing here. And I've seen over time, have faith in it, uh, it tends to work out. Uh, there are many, many scary moments when it looks like the wheels are coming off. Uh, but, you know, it tends to make through okay, and you know, it seems to be better than any other system out there. So I think we should keep that in mind. Uh, I think it's a good moment of uh, reflection, uh, introspection, and listening to each other, too. I think part of the reason the outcome ended up the way it is is uh, people don't feel heard across, uh, across both sides. And I think, I think it's important to reach out and talk to each other. There is a lot of fear within Google, and I've gotten a lot of emails, uh, you know, to my note back, uh, you know, and, you know, I would tell most Googlers there are people who are very afraid, uh, and, you know, Sergey pointed out, the, uh, you, know, uh, you know, many groups, you know, women, blacks, you know, people who are afraid based on religion, people who are afraid because they are not sure of their status, uh, the LGBTQ community, and I can go on. There, there is a lot of fear, and so I think I think it's important to reach out, be aware of that fear. Uh, I would be sensitive and try and talk and have conversations uh, to the extent possible. We are so deeply committed to our values. Uh, you know, Sergey mentioned uh, mentioned at the start, nothing will change. I think we'll stand up always for the values we uh, believe in, and especially I think in a society. You stand up for people uh, who are minorities, and that's what defines a society, and we'll continue to do that. Uh, I think we have a few people who are going to come and say thoughts. I'm not sure I can get through everything I wanted to say. So I'm going to have Ken come, say a few things, and we'll come back. And uh, we have a few more people to add thoughts. So look, it, it was a shock to, to all of us, the results of the election. Uh, it, it was a, a fair and democratic process, and, and we honor that. But at the same time, it showed an incredible level of division among Americans. And that's something that gives us pause uh, and, and focuses on how did we misunderstand that? What can we do to reach out to people whose perspective we have a hard time understanding? But it's not just a challenge for America. It's a challenge that goes well beyond America. The implications for the rest of the world are vast, and the echoes around the world are, are significant. This is not the first sign we've seen of this rising tide of nationalism, populism, and concern. There are, there are drivers of globalization and immigration which have sparked movements throughout Europe, throughout Asia, throughout Latin America, you see not just Brexit, but rising uh, new parties that are coming onto the scene, splintering of traditional parties. Uh, we've seen it through Germany and France. Italy has a referendum next month. The Philippines, Thailand, are big chunks of Latin America. Um, we're trying to figure out what our, our right next steps are in that, but we recognize that globalization and the internet have been an incredible force for change. They have brought hundreds of millions of people out of extreme poverty around the world. Incredible force for good. But all politics is local, goes the old phrase. And if you're in Pennsylvania or Birmingham, you may not care that somebody in Delhi is getting a new job or that somebody in Jakarta is getting better health care. You care about what's happened to you and your family. And you're seeing this sense of stagnation 
that you're not better off than your parents and you're afraid that you, your kids might not be better off than you are? And what's the path forward? And the forces out there are seem well beyond you. Globalization, immigration, trade, whatever else. And you're afraid and you're trying to look for answers. And that fear, I think, not just in the United States, but around the world is what's fueling concerns, xenophobia, hatred, uh, and a desire for, for answers that may or may not be there. It's feeling a distrust of, of experts and disregard of traditional institutions. And we're trying to figure out how do we respond to that? What are the next steps for us before the world comes into this uh, environment of tribalism uh, that's, that's self-destructive on the long term? There are, there are cycles of these things that often can last five, 10 years before people feel as though you know, that they've had a chance to vent that anger. And yet, we do think that history is on our side in a profound and an important way. That Martin Luther King made famous a, a line that the moral arc of history is long, but it bends toward justice. I would say that the moral arc of history is long, but it bends toward progress. And out of progress comes rising living standards and better health care, and ultimately the ability to transcend those forces of tribalism and, yes, reach toward justice. So for 500 years, technology and trade has risen, have raised living standards around the world, and I think there's every sign that we'll continue to do that. That as we help that change come to pass, while it may be that the internet and globalization were part of the cause of this problem, we are also fundamentally an essential part of the solution to this problem. Prime Minister Matteo Renzi in Italy talks about two worlds, the world of the wall and the world of the square. The world of the wall, the world of the fortress, the world of the silo, isolation and defensiveness. And the world of the square, the piazza, the agora, the marketplace, where people come together into a community and enrich each other's lives. The tools that we build help people come into the world of the square. You saw the video about Missouri Star Quilt changing the fortunes of not just a family, not just a community, the entire village was made better by the tools that we make every day. We help people come together, build together, cooperate, communicate. Google is a trusted source of information for people around the world. That's incredibly valuable at times like this. To make that happen, to figure out how we're going to navigate not only continuing to make transformative products, and making the world a better place, and yeah, I'll say it even though they mock Silicon Valley for believing it. We need to be able to work together. We need to have each other's back. We need to stand together in a time that's going to be incredibly difficult as we advocate for our values and we see what not only the U.S. administration but other administrations around the world take shape, how they take shape over the next few years. I would say, please, understand each other, trust each other, trust in the rule of law, and let me turn it over to first Ruth and then Eileen to talk about how we internally can continue that work of building bridges and working together. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed 
and send suggestions or comments to email address F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Remember, the flyover states are the backbone of this country. Never fear flying your flag and standing tall. Ignore the media hate. Ignore the fascist coastal states. Try as they might to bring America down. The patriots of this country will never bow down.